Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'll be showing you how average, everyday people have chosen to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope this podcast will allow you to feel a connection with people who have something in common with you and make you realize you can have the life you want. everyone and welcome today. My guest is Annette Bone. How are you today, Annette? I'm doing so awesome, Carrie. I'm so happy to be connecting with you again. Yes, it's been a couple years, so I'm super excited. You had me on your podcast a little while ago and now I get to have you on mine, so that's super exciting. Yes, I'm so honored. Thank you. Yes, so I want to start. We are both dancers and I was just reading that you also have a degree in dance, which I didn't know before. So can you um, talk about you know, when you were younger, kind of your feeling of dance um, and then kind of your experience in college being a dance major and what that was like in the beginning. Oh, wow. Well, I started dance actually. Um, I, I don't know if you would call it formal training, but I got introduced to hula and Tahitian when I was eight in Texas when my family was stationed there. Actually, my dad was in the army and I really loved it. I remember performing and then I don't know why I stopped. (laughs) So I stopped dancing hula and then we moved to Hawaii and I actually got into ice skating and roller skating and I really wanted to be a professional ice skater, but my parents could not afford the lessons. And so that really bummed me out. So what I did is I found a way just to practice on my own. So I, I at least got to go to the roller skating rinks and the ice skating rink in Hawaii. At that time, there was only one. And it was like such a big deal because, you know, it's a tropical area and it's like an ice skating rink on an island. Well, you know, it's inside. So, of course, they're able to keep it cold. But um, I, I just fell in love uh, watching the artistry of it and, you know, all the the. T- technical things, learning how to do. I taught myself how to do an axle and all these things. You know, as a kid, you're just fearless. Like you just want to try things, right? So as even though I was bummed, I was happy that at least I got to go almost on a weekly basis to either one of the rinks and just kind of play around and watch people. And, and there were times when I'd watch people that I would see regularly and they would be having lessons and I'd start, you know, I'd get that kind of pit in my stomach, like, oh gosh, they get to do that. But you know what? I'm here. I'm going to make it work. So I still enjoyed the process, even though I didn't have access to maybe the things that they did at that time. And then when my dad retired from the military, we moved to Guam, um, which is part of a group of islands in the Marianas Islands. He's actually from another little island called Rhoda, but most of my family moved to Guam and opened up a business there. And it's funny, I say this now because because I grew up with an entrepreneurial background on that side, but I was never taught any entrepreneurial principles. I was taught to go to school and get a job and get good grades and that kind of thing. So when I went to Guam, um, I stopped ice skating and roller skating because there was nothing available there. It's a small island, and at that time, there just wasn't. And then (laughs) I saw a movie, oh my gosh, this is going to date me, this movie called Breaking. Do you you remember that, Yes, I've seen that movie, yes. (laughs) So, you know, 1980s, and I saw um, one of the main characters, the female character, Lucinda Dickey, do a jazz combination in a scene in that movie. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I want to learn to move like that. I, it was a you know, classical jazz. I don't know if you would consider it Fosse style, but did you know the, the classical lines with the six step and going into a pot de beret and, and into pirouettes and the fan kicks and all that? And I thought oh, I want to learn that. And so I got enamored with cheesy dance movies. I hate to call them cheesy dance <laughs> movies, but you know, it's like they're dance. They ha- all have the same storyline, but I, I still love them. So 
I thought, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to do that. And then that's when like flash dance came out and fame. And, and um, here I was on a small island with very limited resources in terms of that. And finally, a studio opened up and, and they were offering classes and you know how they offer tr trials and that kind of thing. So I took my first jazz class at age 14, which nowadays that's considered late I, and, and ballet as well. I started late. So at age 14, and I, of course, fell in love with the process, struggling through like, of course, you know, when you're a beginner, you don't know what you're doing. You're learning. You're trying to figure it out. Um I remember watching the shows that I had talked about, the movies, and trying to emulate the movement and feeling the music and that kind of thing, and just getting so excited about seeing how dance could be. And so I took the class. I was all excited, and I came home and told my parents, oh, my gosh, I have to take class. I want to train. I want to do this. And, and uh, it was, I think it was only one of two studios that were available at that time. On, on island and they were like well why why do you want to do that and we can't you know they, they kind of shut it down and it was always unfortunately about money and so I was again disappointed but then I thought okay I can practice in my room mm -hmm. <laughs> I can watch these movies I can uh, do what I can do right so um, what I did is I actually um, I forgot how this happened so long ago I ended up working at that studio in trade for dance lessons so I still got to take class but I also worked at the studio so I helped with the registrations and and uh, cleaning and I was happy to do so because I got to dance and I remember being in class with kids that were half my age I was 14 15 and they were six seven eight mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but I didn't care because I got to take class and um, I remember the jazz classes learning different parts of like Janet Jackson's choreo and it was all very exciting for me despite the road you know the the roadblocks at that age that I had to deal with and so um, as I was going through that and then getting into high school again the the resources is small island did they just it just at that time it just wasn't there uh, just a couple of different dance teachers that have come on and off island trained in LA here and there but they come and then they leave because there just wasn't a lot going on so um as soon as i got more into it and then going into high school i started my own dance club <laughs> so, nice yeah <laughs> So there was a couple of us and and then I was asked to choreograph some things for the cheerleading team. And so, you know, I didn't have a lot of training, but I did with I did what I could with what I have. And I'm a very big proponent of that, Carrie, that you start with where you're at. You make the best of where you're at and then you go along and then things start to happen and then you learn and you grow and you get access to more resources. And so I'm a firm believer in that. And so in in uh, high school there started to become a couple more different dance opportunities. Toward the end of my um, junior and senior year, there were actually two or three plays, uh, dance musicals that were brought from a choreographer from the Philippines came and wanted to do something with the high schools there. So I auditioned for one of them called Flower Drum Song, which uh, I, oh my gosh, I loved it. I was able to do some dancing in that and some solos. And it was, I felt so alive. I, I, st I can still feel being on stage in the lights and waiting for the curtains. You know, it's still very real to me. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, I really want to do this some more. And then I auditioned for, um, gosh, it's the name is escaping me. It's that um, Fiddler on the Roof. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Fiddler on the Roof. 
But I went into the audition and I got very scared. And I just all of a sudden it just I started getting really I had always dealt with body image issues and self-confidence issues and that kind of thing growing up for the longest time. And even just recently before I got back into dance about three years ago. And so I just started to shut down and I thought, this is weird. And so I backed out. So I got I got into it, but then I quit. I, I backed out. And then I still did things with the dance club and did things for the high school. But then I was focused on, okay, I need to get off this island and get some really good training and and see where I can go with this. So I ended up going to the University of California, Irvine, which at the time I did not even know that it was um, third in the, excuse me, third in the nation for dance schools. And it was right behind, uh, I believe, gosh, what is that school in New York? Juilliard. Mm. <laughs> These names, Juilliard and something else. It was like number three after two of them, right? So I was very happy. And um, when I got there, again, I was very intimidated and very scared because I was most of my peers, I would say probably 95% of my the students I was with had been dancing since they were three, four. Some of them were already working professionally. And my ballet training wasn't up to par with them in terms of the standards of where they were. And so I had a really, really hard time with that. But <laughs> I pushed through. And there were a lot of times where I wanted to quit. And I it's weird, Carrie, because I felt I was growing in my dance technique and the training aspect, yet at the same time, I was dealing with other stuff and my self image and confidence issues were kind of getting bigger almost. And it, I feel that's really strange because dance really does open you up and gives you th this amazing feeling when you're doing it, regardless of style or, and yet at the same time, I was dealing with these self-confidence body, all this kind of stuff going on. So um, I wanted to finish. I, I never. I didn't want to say that I quit. I, I wanted. I didn't want to quit college for because I wanted to study dance in an academic setting, and I wanted to get off island and experience something different and be around people that were not <laughs> not like me. Right. So I just. I and then I had also gone through some pretty traumatic. Um, things with uh, an ex-boyfriend being in the hospital and and almost dying several times and dealing with that and still going to classes and working three different jobs. So I was juggling all these things, thinking that that was what I was supposed to do, um, trying to fit in. Oh, you know, all these things when you're mm -hmm. a, a young adult and you're trying to figure all this stuff out and you don't have mentorship. That was another thing I thought, you know, it was interesting being in that program, and I had all these amazing teachers that have this long history of uh, successful dance careers, been on Broadway, and did all these things with these cool companies that I admire, like Batsheva, and um, all these cool companies, and yet, why do I feel so lost? And, um, and, and I'm not blaming all of that on other people. I take responsibility for choosing those thoughts, but I didn't know better, so I thought, you know, mentorship is really important. Coaching, mm -hmm. you know, accountability. And uh, I would I think that it might be prevalent now in the dance programs in college. But I think having uh, someone to guide you and to be there for you when you need to be encouraged. Well, although I think that you ultimately have the responsibility of encouraging yourself. But um, having someone that will put your feet to the fire, I think, is just as important. So um 
it's interesting looking back because, you, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a lot there. And I think, um, you know, first of all, I can resonate a lot with, you know, how you just kind of spoke about dance, um, because, yeah, I felt that way, too. You know, there were um, I did not start ballet till I was much later in life. And so that put me behind as well in college. And so you have to kind of just push through and catch up. Um, mm-hmm. But also, yeah, there was I don't know, I, I think. I mean, there were sometimes the professors were there to help you, but it felt more like they were there to help the elite. And so exactly. what was exactly. crazy was you're like, wait, I'm paying also for the education here, you know, and I want to learn too. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely agree that there there is that a lot in the art world, unfortunately. Um, I did have, you know, one incredibly wonderful professor and then she actually left to go to another university but she was very different because she never even if there were people that were better she never called them out in that way she really was there to teach and educate and I learned some of my own teaching skills from the way that she taught so she was probably one of my favorites um but no I definitely resonate with a lot with what you're saying and you know thinking about how you were as a young child you know you have two ends of the spectrum going on you know you have this really strong work ethic and, well, I'm going to do it anyway, even if all these things tell me no. But then you're also talking about some of the self-esteem issues. And where do you think that those two things came from? Did that come from how you grew up? Was that genetic? Was there an experience? You know, where did those those two good things and kind of other things that you needed to work on come in your life? It was definitely the way that I was raised. I come from a very strict Catholic conservative background that's how I was raised. And there were definitely standards, very high standards. And I think also being the oldest of three girls mm-hmm. <laughs> was really. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned and I've accepted the fact that people project perhaps what they're going through. And so it may not necessarily be that it's against you personally, but um, for some reason it has to come out. And like with my parents, I love them. However, that's maybe not the way they were raised. Mm -hmm. And so that just translated to what they knew to how to because, you know, as a parent, well, as a parent, it's like you you, it doesn't come with a manual like there's books on it. Right. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't until you're in like anything until you're actually doing something, you really don't know what it's like until you're actually in the process. (laughs) So it's like for it was easy for me to to be judgmental, like, oh, if I was a mom, I'd do it this way. Or if I was this, I would do it this way. Until I actually became a mother and I thought, no, that was not fair for me to judge. Right. Yeah, I don't have you know? any kids. But yeah, everybody's different. And I think you're right. It like, comes from how they were raised and how their parents were raised. And then you're trying mm-hmm. to kind of make your own and combo yes. it. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I uh, I've learned that uh, with anything, it's there, there has to be grace and compassion toward every situation that you've been in, whether you've been, you've been on the receiving end of something that's been hurtful, which, you know, all of us have gone through that. And it's funny, Carrie, you were talking about the one, um, one professor that you, that was impactful for you and your teaching methods in Mm -hmm. college. I did have one professor that actually took time to, to spend a few minutes with me in his busy schedule. And he's still, prominent in the ballet world today with training dancers. I don't think he would remember me if I if I uh, made contact with him. But um, 
he, I still remember us sitting down underneath the tree. Like I, I so picture it on campus near the dance studios. And he's saying, well, you know, I know you're, he, he was responding. Cause I was like crying. And I thought, you know, I, I'm really trying hard and I'm working so hard and the, and the professors are not noticing me. And, and I know that I can be better. And, you know, I was just crying and I don't, I don't feel like I fit in. And he was saying, oh, you're Annette, you're, you're expecting people to say, oh, Annette, come, you know, come and, and be like inclusive. And I thought, is that bad that yes. I Yes. Oh my <laughs> God, Annette. Yes. I'm like, I feel like we're the same person at this moment. Yes. <laughs> and then I thought, oh my gosh, am I that weak? And I thought, you know, oh, it's just, you know how it is. It's like, you're yep. trying to figure all this stuff out. And I thought, how do these girls, I, oh, and I'm thinking, oh, it's easy for them because their extension is like way up to their ear. And so mm-hmm. they don't have to work so hard. And then, oh, you know what else, Carrie, too, that got to me is that I felt like I was working so hard and, and with everything, like having the multiple jobs and, and making my way through college. And, and I'd see these dancers that would like, they would like skip class and they would get cast <laughs> yes. in all the this and they would smoke like, yep. you know, that's their business. But I'm like, how do you smoke all that and get through class? And I'm like, oh yeah, I see them after and their faces are like beet red and they're huffing yep. and puffing, you know? So anyway, that's a side note. <laughs> it, you know, and it's funny. And those listening, if you're not a dancer, you may not get it. But it is so common. And I remember, you know, my experience, you know, uh, at the studio I grew up with, you know, wasn't a very positive one. And I thought, oh, well, college will be different in dance. And it was not. Um, and it, it is unfortunate. But I think, you know, there's a lot of things that have always been a certain way. But it doesn't mean it's right. And so, like, the fact that he said, well, oh, you're expecting someone to include you. Uh, is ridiculous because yes, you should be included because you're paying for an education. It doesn't mean that you get oh all the top parts. You know what I mean? Right. Because you do have to be the best. You know, but you yeah, I'm here. I want to learn. I want someone to notice that I'm here and I'm trying. <laughs> I don't think that mm-hmm. that's an odd thing, and I, I think that extends beyond the dance world. I know for me specifically, um, I'm very big in that and, and being very inclusive. I never really understood like, oh, well, this person makes more money or this person is of this background. Like, you know, we're all people, you know, we all should, as long as you're being kind to one another, should be able to include each other. And I think that should be a given, even though it's not. So I, I would definitely go against that status quo uh, feeling that that guy spoke of. Yeah. And he was trying to be nice and he was always trying to but I knew like he, just with all the professors there that it's it was just natural for them to notice someone with a really amazing mm-hmm. point and someone with an amazing extension and someone with whatever it was. And then I also had this one um, girl who was she was a great dancer. She was a great modern dancer, but she was so mean mm-hmm. <laughs> and she would treat me so like unkind. She would just be so and I felt like she was singling me out like she was always mean to me in particular and so I, I just got into this downward spiral of negativity and then dealing with uh, that ex-boyfriend. And then I had actually gone to um, counseling, which I thought, am I that weak that I need, <laughs> I need counseling? You know, working through the process of possibly losing someone at that time that was close yeah. to me. And uh, he that process was actually very healing for me, even though the stuff was still going on and I was still going back and forth to the hospital and dealing with all the family things on his side, which that is a total another story. But um, having someone there to not only listen, but to um, offer and not even offer advice. It was more of, okay. he asked the right questions. And I think that's a lot of it, too, is knowing 
how to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we know the answer, we just need to have a different perspective on it, or it presented to us differently. So I did graduate. And as we were getting close to graduation, my family was starting to pressure me, what are you going to (laughs) do? Are you going to dance? What are you going to do? You know, you can't make money that thing. And, uh, you know, I got that throughout the college years anyway. So I was already used to it. It was not that it was easy, but I got used to it. So as we were getting closer to um, graduation, I thought, oh, my gosh, what the heck? <laughs> what am I going to do? I, I didn't know. You know, I wasn't studying entrepreneurship. I did, And my dad was like, well, you can come back to Guam and teach. And for, and I thought I don't I felt like that would be a step back. The reason I mm-hmm. left is because I want to expand my horizons. And and so I graduated and I ended up taking to make a long story short, I ended up taking jobs that I didn't like. And I felt they weren't creative. They were just these things to do. But I I had to do them for the time being. And I ended up getting involved in a business model that I actually was involved for with quite a long time. And and, um, looking back, I thought, wow, I was really entrenched in a system of thinking that didn't feel authentic to me. And why did it take me so long to to get out of that? Yeah, and I want to, because this has been a current theme, uh, I think, through this whole, all my podcast episodes, and I think that's, that's for me, the ordinary to extraordinary path, that a lot of us hear societal pressures, or we think we're supposed to do something, but there's yes. like a feeling or a voice or an intuition being like, ah, it's not this. And so I want to kind of hear your perspective on, you know, why do you think you were doing the things you didn't really care for? how long you were kind of hearing that voice and then when and how was the moment when you said, "Mm, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going back to something I love. The fear of the unknown and doubting myself so much because of my experience in college. Although, you know, I love the training that I got and I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything up to now as to what has happened, because then we wouldn't be having this conversation and I wouldn't be experiencing the things that I'm experiencing now. And I, it was so ingrained in me with this business model and this mentorship. And I think because I was looking so hard for mentorship, I was always attracted to success principles and quotes as I was growing up, like, Oh, I was really attracted to that, to that, to becoming a higher part of yourself, that whole, process of that. But I just didn't really know how to go about it. And being young and not having access to resources or not knowing that there were access to resources. Um, But I think because I kept telling myself, okay, if I keep doing this, then it's going to work if it within this particular business model, if I keep doing it, that's what they say, they told me that if I just stick in and, and even if and I just have to keep showing up. And if I keep doing it, it's going to work out for me. But in inside, I was feeling just not settled. And I, I chose to ignore it. That's, that's what my mistake was. Is so I chose to ignore it out of fear. I want to just go back for a second. When you say, if you keep doing this, it will work. What will work? What did you think would work or what was being promised? That the business would uh, generate revenue and be successful and I would be able to achieve the dreams that I wanted. Based with- on a fi- an arbitrary number that they were kind of giving. And so your idea of success was more the financial component? 
at Correct. the time? Okay. Correct. Because I figured that money would solve all problems and money solves a lot of problems, but it doesn't solve everything. <laughs> so, um, yep. it was, you know, I, and I wanted so much to excel at something because I felt like I failed with dance because I quit right away after I graduated. Pretty mm. much. I taught a little bit at, uh, I taught a little bit of cardio hip hop at the 24 hour fitness, just a couple of, uh, just a, a very short time after I graduated, but that I just, I was still feeling very like defeated and the audition process for me as I was going through college, even going up to LA and in the commercial dance world, I couldn't handle it, Carrie. I was very just, I, I could not handle the, the pressure. I was just, I felt too weak and I thought, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have this. I don't have what it takes to, to what I thought being a dancer was, is that mm-hmm. you looked a certain way and I was striving for that. And oh, you're in this video and you're dancing with this artist and you're on tour. And I thought, that's when I know I'll make it. That's what I want to do. But I'm finding that dance is much more than that. And you can take the art of dance and make it to whatever you want and succeed at it, at it in your own terms. So um, wh- I the quitting that particular business model was a process. And the things I've learned from it, both good and bad, have helped me today. And I, I really can't pinpoint when it happened, but it was close to when I thought, gosh, I got to go back to dance because I've gained all this weight. I had over the years, you know, 20. So I got back to, to dance three years ago. Uh, before that, I had stopped. It had been over 20 years. So that's right. 20 years of not like being on the outside looking in. Like I was watching all the dance things going on. That's when So You Think You Can Dance and all these um, America's Best Dance Crew and everything started blowing up. And I was on the outside going, oh, my gosh, I, I love this. I, and I watched everything and I was on in the know. And it's funny now, like I'm doing dance, dancing, actually dancing now, but I'm not like totally in the know on all, <laughs> on all those things. But I'd rather be in this position, actually. That's all right. I, I laugh that, you know, the 12 year olds teach me the new stuff. So it's, you know, they're like, uh-huh. this is Miss Carrie. This is the cool thing now. So, you know, <laughs> like, that's OK. I try my best. It's, it's all right. Um, so, um when you decided to leave that current job situation, were you like, I'm just going to go and do dance? Did you look for another job? Because I think a lot of the times people, a lot of people are feeling that same feeling of like, I'm not happy here, but they don't know the transition, you know, oh, I can't afford to leave my job, you know, all these fears. So they kind of just stay with it and continue to be unhappy. So how is that like transition? Did you go into another job and say, well, I'm going to make enough time for dance or did you start your own thing or kind of what was, what was that transition for you? Well, actually, the transition, Carrie, was I left my uh, I was working an insurance job um, and I left a month before my son was born because I had to go on bed rest. Mm. So I was involved in this business model while I was working all these different jobs um, and the insurance job being the last one that I that an actual nine to five that I worked back in 2005 when my son was born. So that was uh, almost 12 years ago and um, was still involved in that business model and I thought that that was going to be the savior of after leaving, that that was going to generate enough income. And mind you, this is crazy. And just I wasn't generating hardly any income to begin (laughs) to begin with in that business. All my extra income was going into uh, the meetings and the conferences. And (laughs) I, I was trying to justify, oh, well, I got this out of it. And I guess it was good that I was looking for the positive in each one. But there was so much pressure to attend the next one and attend the next one. And because that's when you're going to get that's going to be your breakthrough. And I'm all about I'm all about constantly educating yourself and being a student for life. 
but I think there's a smart way to do about to go about it. And I was not doing it the smart way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, there was a lot that happened between, between the time I, uh, quit that doing, quit that business and then coming to now three years ago where, uh, about three, maybe a little bit longer than that. The funny thing is I met this woman at a homeschooling convention because my son is homeschooled and she was going to be talking about how to start an online business and what she's done with her family. She had like seven kids lived out in the middle of Tennessee on a farm and she was able to generate passive income. She still does to this day. Um, Wonderful, wonderful woman. She was she was the turning point in terms of people that I met that started this whole process. But and who would have thought at a homeschooling convention? So I went into her meeting and I thought she showed a picture of some kind of animal. <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute, I'm not here to learn about farming. I live in Southern <laughs> California. I'm not, I love nature and all that, but I'm not gonna, I don't think this is going to work, but I'm glad I stayed for the meeting because that relationship has opened so many doors to what I started with online, which was I started with building websites because she told me, we talked after and she said, well, you need to get a WordPress site up. And I thought, what the heck is a WordPress site? <laughs> what is, uh, what is, and she, and then she started explaining, she, she's just one of those people that just, just gives information and she's so excited and, and she was able to uh, retire her husband and her son has been, all her kids were homeschooled and they were doing real estate and all these other different business models. And I thought, you know, there's more to business than just this one business model who tells me that they're the best and mm-hmm. that if I leave, then I'm never going to be happy and that my life will never be fulfilled. And <laughs> Out of fear. Yeah, that's a horrible business model. (laughs) Yeah, and I thought, what what the heck was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. I was scared. I was hanging on to fear and perceived security. Sometimes there's security in in uncomfortable situations like that because you're if you leave, then you have to face the unknown, and it it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about myself and and what, you know, where where was I? You know, where was my thinking? a little bit misconstrued, you know? So anyway, that's how I got started is she told me I need to do this, this, this online. I thought, okay, well, how do I do it? Okay. I got to figure it out again. So I had to figure it out. And that's been, what's been this process with this online business. So, so she started referring me to um, different clients that she had that needed WordPress sites built. And that's how I got started without really even knowing (laughs) because she, I went to a conference with her and she saw that I was really paying attention to a lot of technical things like with Facebook ads and and different mark online marketing things, which I, you know, we're both very excited about, right, Carrie? Mm-hmm. So um I just soaked that up and and it's so funny. She's like, Well, I know you're technical, you can do this, so you need to do this, this, and this, and I'm gonna give you these clients. Um, I'm gonna refer you to these people and you figure it out. And I'm thinking, Okay, I'll figure it out. <laughs> so that's how it that's basically how it got started and so um most of the clientele i started working with um has been online with their websites or the social media management or consulting on their online business so it's been kind of a mixture of things and then <laughs> as i was doing this i was still dealing with depression and and all the weight gain and and uh the, just the physical stuff and missing dance and seeing all the stuff happen and i thought I got to get back to this, even if it's just for a little bit. I, I I have to do something with dance. And that's what happened three years ago is I got into this studio that I found by accident, but really not by accident, right? Mm-hmm. And that was what started and it's been different phases. And even that in itself, that what I've been through up to now, 
the phases that I've allowed myself to go through have the journey has been amazing. And I, I could, I'm just so thankful. So I hope that answers your yeah, question. Yeah, I think it's cool. And, and so talk a little bit more. So are you still doing the building the website stuff now? Are you doing a lot of that? Because I know you have your podcast as well. So talk a little bit about that too, kind of um, how that kind of came about um, along with all the other stuff you're doing. I'm not doing websites as much. Um, it, it is a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it is yeah. a lot of work. And there's so much more involved, especially with clients that don't know. And um, it, it's a really educational process that you have to take your clients through because there's so many things, so many factors. And so it's been a big learning process, but it takes so much time. So I don't, unless it's a really, 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 really ideal client that I want to work with and I'll do it, but I have not done them, done them for a little while. But, um, with the podcast, Oh, Carrie, I love podcasting. It is my favorite thing to do. And I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to do a podcast on two of the things that I love the most, which is dance and business, entrepreneurship, uh -huh. self-growth and that kind of thing. And I, I did the pod, I wanted to start a podcast because I thought, you know, I always hated the sound of my voice. I don't know if I can do it, so let's see if I can do it. <laughs> Which is funny because I think you have a great podcast radio voice, like very oh, clear, very uplifting. Like it's a really, it's it's perfect. Oh, thank you so much. And a business mentor of mine, he said that a podcast is is a really great thing to do to connect with your audience, to connect with people, and you don't know who's listening, and and there's something about someone taking the time to listen to you, and um, I love that you can podcast about anything, that there's there are podcasts about any kind of subject, I thought, let me see if I can combine dance and business, and, and it, so it, it was a process figuring out, gosh, can I do this? Can, I never thought, you know, because I, I had to, I was so shy, and, and we talked about the self-confidence issues that I I would dread having to get on the phone to even order pizza. Like I had to rehearse. Okay, my name is Annette. <laughs> I want, you know, half cheese, half pepperoni. You know, like it would, I seriously would just, my heart would start beating and I would, and this is when we had the dial phones and that kind of thing. So we didn't have online ordering, which I would have loved to go online and just order food, right? <laughs> so, right, right. So, um, yeah, I, with the podcast, I, I never thought that I would start it, but because a, a business mentor of mine recommended that, you know what, just, just do it and see what happens. And, and also I think the challenge of it, like I said, because I know that a lot of podcasters, they stop between like eight and 10. I don't know if the statistics are different now, but a lot of people do start it and then they stop because they, they think they're going to get a million downloads in their first, you know, mm -hmm. couple episodes or right. they don't realize how much work it takes. You, you know, it, it takes, it takes quite a bit of work, more work than what you see with the finished product, just as anything else. So I love having the conversations like I, I'm loving this conversation with you. I love the conversation that we had together, although it was way too long ago. Yeah. We have to have another one. <laughs> I know. I know. It's true. No, it's, you, you know, so many things happen too. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's neat, you know, Annette, it, it's, it's so wonderful to, you know, like I said, when you're interviewing someone, it's different than when you're being interviewed and yes. hearing your story, it's just really, first of all, it's really impressive how you're talking about how, oh, you know, I was self-conscious or had self-esteem or had all this stuff. And yet at the same time, you were strong enough to push that aside in every element of your life from like the age of like 10 till now and say, okay, well, 
I need to just do this anyway. And I need to just do it because I want it no matter how scary it is. And that's really impressive because a lot of people don't have that or don't know how or don't know how to let that fear go. And I think that's what really makes you unique in being able to say, no matter what, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it despite the fact that it might be scary. It might be hard. Um, And also how it's interesting how much your life, everything is connected, like really well, how it's kind of all coming full circle. Um, It's just really, really neat to see all of that. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate that. And I I am seeing that more and more that things do happen for a reason, even if you're not understanding, because I thought for the longest time when I got back into dance, I'm like, geez, all this time, you know, 20 years is a long time to be away from anything, period, whatever, going Mm -hmm. through anything. And um, but I thought, you know what, I don't want to have any more regrets. I was tired of having regrets, Carrie. I was tired of the way I was looking. I was tired of the way I was feeling. And I thought, you know, I'm. it's going to be a constant spiral downward still if I don't at least give myself the chance to see what happens. Okay, so I'm not 20 some years old anymore. I'm not dancing. You know, I can't say that I've had this professional career and, you know, and even as an entrepreneur, it's like when I started uh couple years ago with that and left that other business model, I would see these women entrepreneurs and I'm like, I don't sound like that. I don't look like that. I don't have a stylist like, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all these things like I don't have a copyright, you know, I, like uh, that was the, the pity party. Basically, I don't have this, 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 but okay, doesn't matter. I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> so I'm going to just get it out there. I'm not going to have any regrets. Okay, I'm going to figure this out. So I'm so happy that I did through all of it. And you know, it's like this journey. It's not always, you're not always thinking positively, but you do get back there. You do make the decisions and the choices that, okay, yeah, this didn't work out or this didn't go the way that I thought it would go, but this this great thing is happening or I'm looking forward to this. So there's always something to be grateful mm-hmm. for. And I think if you're putting your foot forward and making the adjustments along the way. It's, it's such a great, I never thought that I would say I'm really enjoying the journey because before it was about, okay, when I get here, I'm going to be happy because I will have achieved X, Y, Z, or you know what, when I lose 15 more pounds, I'm going to be really happy or I get whatever. But in that process, I would get discouraged. Like I would set these goals and I'd get discouraged and like, you know, (laughs) what I'm, I, I suck. <laughs> I'm not achieving this, you know, and I'd get down on myself. So it was this vicious cycle. And now I'm at the point where, you know what? Yeah, I have stuff going on. We all have stuff going on. Everybody's fighting a battle that we don't know about. But I am so excited that we have all these resources available. And if we focus on the right things and are moving forward, things, awesome things happen. You meet awesome people. You learn awesome things. So I am really appreciative of the journey and the process now. I love it. I love it. So my last two questions, my first one is where can people learn more about you or your podcast? Where can they find it online? Well, they can go to AnnetteBone.com, A-N-N-E-T-T-B-O-N-E.com. There's no E at the end of my name. Or they can find me on Apple Podcasts at the Dancepreneuring Studio Podcast. It's this bright orange album cover. And um, I'm also on Stitcher Radio and Google Play, all of the podcast directories if you're into that. And then on social media, just look up Annette Bone and I would love to connect. Awesome. And then the last question I ask all my guests is what is one word or quote or mantra that you like to live by every day? 
I like to live by every day. Wow. <laughs> or maybe right now in your life that you're like, this is the one that's resonating with me at this moment. At this moment, um, I believe Marie Forleo said this, and I've referenced it a couple times. Everything is figure outable. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that completely goes with your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Annette, and we hope to have you again soon. Oh, thank you, Carrie. I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you on my podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review over on iTunes. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to message me over on Instagram at Carrie, K-E-R-I dot N dot Roberts. Remember that each of us has something that makes us great. So go out there and show the world what makes you, you.